and welcome to episode number 32 of the Solo Women RV Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Belge. We have a great episode this week. My guest is Carolyn Higgins of Carolyn's RV Life YouTube channel. Carolyn has been out on the road and primarily boondocking for the past six years, and she's been documenting it, all of it on her YouTube channel. I asked Carolyn to be a guest after I read a post that she did about RVing in severe weather. She shares expert advice and also tips about how she got out of some scary situations herself. I learned quite a few things in this interview, and I'm sure you will get a lot out of it no matter what you travel in. Let's listen in. So hello, Carolyn. Today I am super excited. My guest this week is Carolyn from Carolyn's RV Life, the YouTube channel and the blog. And Carolyn has been living full-time as a solo woman in her RV since 2016. So that's like coming up on seven years now. And um, I am just delighted to have you today. I invited you on here today to talk specifically about a blog post of yours that caught my attention, which was um, basically about staying safe in all kinds of inclement weather. And um, so anyway, thank you, Carolyn. Do you want to just introduce yourself a little bit, perhaps to the people who might not know who you are? Hi, Kathy. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's just, an, as I was saying, it's an honor and a privilege to be here to share my experiences with women, other women who might be on the road and still need to feel like they're not so alone, but especially women who, whether you want to get on the road and live in an RV or you want to chase some other quote wild dream, it's always a pleasure to share my experiences to show, and I've said this since the first video I made in 2016, if I can do it, anybody can do it. You know, I'm 53 years old. I don't have the most patience for things. I'm kind of like a China, a bull in a China shop. I just kind of plow through things. And I've always said my channel is kind of a cautionary tale. But even by showing the mistakes that I make and the challenges that I have, I have found that it inspires and helps women. So it's an honor to be here and to be able to continue to share the things I've learned. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, definitely. Um, we definitely will learn from our challenges, won't we? It's the only way I know how to learn. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's so hope. I always say I learned everything by pro process of elimination. I do everything wrong first. Until I get right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I wanted to chat. Uh, you recently had a blog about different weather uh, in encounters that you have experienced in your seven years of RV travel. And first of all, um, you listed your seven tips for any kind of scenario. And I thought those were really great. So do you want to maybe want to share some of those with us? So this year I, I'm based out of the West. I'm originally from the San Francisco Bay area. And when I first thought, thought about hitting the road, I thought I would mostly stay West this year. I wanted to go to an area of the country. I had not been yet in my RV and that's the North central North and Northeast. I experienced some crazy weather. I experienced severe thunderstorms. I experienced not being able to get out of my camp at a national forest because of a fallen tree, tornado watches, tornado warnings. And it got me thinking, laying in bed one night in Arkansas under a tornado watch. And I was like, I don't know what to do if a tornado hits. And so I, I'm laying there with my phone researching it. And I thought, you know what? There is not one comprehensive source 
for RVers about everything, you know, yeah. this is like a how-to guide if you're going to be in weather. And so I did the video first and then created the blog. Okay. And the safety tips that I created uh, were about how to stay safe in earthquakes, even though that's not really weather related, earthquakes, tornadoes, thunderstorms, uh, hurricanes, heavy wind, heavy rain, extreme heat and cold even, and some of the resources and the tools that you would probably need to know about if you're on the road. Did that answer your question? Is that what you were looking for? Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I was asking. Um, Let's start. um, Let's, I know that you were in the devastating near, not in, but very close to those devastating tornadoes that just went through the Southwest this, this fall, like outside of tornado season. And I think as uh, we're experiencing climate change, we're going to see more and more extreme weather all the way around. And, and we're a little more vulnerable in our RVs. So um, let's first talk, why don't we first talk about your experience there in the tornado warning and um, what are some tips that, you know, I don't, I've, I've never been in a tornado. I'm from the West coast as well. They're not really a thing out here, but more and more they are right. So uh, what should we do if we're in an area where there's either a tornado watch or a tornado warning? So I was in, I think I was in Western central Arkansas when the warning came up on my phone. So number one tip that I'm going to give your listeners is to have a good weather app on your phone. If you're a full-time RVer, it's absolutely make sure your emergency alerts are turned on and you can go into your settings to check your notifications. And some areas just send out emergency alerts, but I also have a weather app. It's called CLIME, C-L-I-M-E. And it's been, it's by the National Weather Association. And I just learned, you have to be careful about the weather apps that you download. Some of them have malware in them. So mm, this one okay. is a paid, this one's a paid app. I did some research on it. There's no warnings about it. It's climbed by the NOAA National Association, whether it's it's all formal. And it's set up that it sends me alerts like this tornado warning. Okay. I was under a watch, not a warning. First, okay. they give you a watch. And then if it's elevated, heightened uh, uh, danger, then it turns into a, a warning. And I didn't find out until the next morning I woke up and I got texts from friends that were like, oh my God, I heard, are you okay? Are you okay? I didn't, I looked at the map. They hit a hundred miles away from me. The, the okay. most devastating tail end of it hit. And it was the Southwest, I'm sorry, the Southeast that they hit. What I learned is that the tips for staying safe in a tornado, especially if you're in an RV is to number one, get a good alert system on your phone. Number two, keep an eye out for anything in the sky. Really, I think your best defense is to be aware of what's going on outside. My number one rule for safety, no matter what situation, is to be aware of your surroundings. So keep an eye Mm. on what's going on in the sky outside. Of course, you want to look for a funnel cloud, but also you might see a giant cloud of debris. That and a huge noise that might sound like a freight train. That's okay. the first sign that a tornado might be coming. The second one is if you're driving, pull over. 
unless you need to outrun it. I mean, if it's coming in your path and you think you might be able to outrun it, it depends on how fast it's going. But normally I would say, pull over. <laughs> I don't think you want to try to outrun it. Not in my RV, no. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I know, 65 miles an hour, you know, um, if that. And the second thing is you definitely do not want to stay in your RV, whether it's a hurricane or tornado, tornado get out of your RV ASAP because they were, especially an RV, even a van, you just want to get out and try to find shelter. If you can't find shelter in a tornado, the best thing, and also I think in a hurricane, is find the lowest level of ground that you can, like a ditch. Mm-hmm. A ditch is great. And lay flat on your belly and cover your head and your neck mm, for any okay. flying debris. Uh, if you can find shelter, uh, you want to be on the ground floor of a concrete building or a basement, and you want to stay away from all the outside walls, all the windows, and all the doors. So find like the center room in a building or basement and go there. So it, can I just interrupt you for a minute? So if yeah, you were, that's if, yes. if you are traveling and um, like there's a Walmart ahead, would you pull in and run into the Walmart and get in the middle of the yeah. store? Like yeah, okay. yeah. I think that's what I would do. One of the other tips they say also, I think if you can't find a building to go in is to stand against a a concrete wall on the opposite opposite side, the tornado is coming. Got it. Okay. Does that make sense? So your back is against the wall and the tornado is coming against the opposite wall. Yeah. Okay. Now I did see that you said, do not go under an underpass. And that for me, I felt like that would have been something I would have thought to do. So why are we not going to go hide under an underpass? I that's, you know, I don't know, <laughs> to be honest with you, but that was one of the tips I read. Don't go. Okay. I think because you know what, I'm not even going to try to guess. I was just going to try to shoot from the hip, but I okay. honestly don't know. That was just a tip that I saw. I think, okay. I think maybe because they could collapse maybe. Okay. Or I wonder if the wind just becomes like more suctiony under there could yeah that yeah. could be maybe one of your your listeners know so they have yeah. a comment yeah leave a comment okay sorry i interrupted so what what are your other tips for a tornado and what's the and also difference between uh what the actions you should take versus a watch versus a warning it's a good question so i think a watch which is what i was under i was just it was night i was laying in bed just watching my phone. The nice thing about the climb app that I mentioned is that it also has uh, radar so that I could actually see where the storm was, what direction Mm. it was going, where it was going. And I was able to see that I was going to be on like the outskirts of it. So if you're under a watch, that's my recommendation. If you can pay attention to the news, there's another great resource on YouTube that a viewer told me about. It's called Ryan Hall, y'all. Ryan, R-Y-A-N Hall. He used to be a storm chaser and now he does meteorology on YouTube. He does things and he he does these live streams during storms and he's very, very good. My viewer said that he he was actually giving real-time information for areas that the news wasn't giving them. Okay. Wow. So he's very good and he's on YouTube and he, and he goes live to tell you, okay, if you're in this area, you need to get out even before the news does. Got it. Okay. So 
So find a good resource though that you can trust. If you have, I one of the things I didn't talk about that maybe we should get to is having a bug out bag and an emergency kit. In that emergency kit, you should have a transistor radio with batteries, or you oh. should have some kind of a weather notification. You never know; cell phone towers might go down. You never know. And I'm talking like extreme disasters, like dystopic. You 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 do want to be prepared for that as well, and have a bug out bag. It, you know, but something serious happens, and we don't even have cell phone signals. A transistor radio might come in handy. You never know. Ham you know, radio operators, right? Yeah, that's really a good advice. I have that in my home for earthquakes, but I don't have something like that in my RV. So that's a great, great tip there. What yeah. else, what else would you have in your bug out bag? Um, I'll, let me get to that. All your important papers, all your important documents, uh, copies of your driver's license, your birth certificate, your medications, your, if you have a pet, your, your vet records for your pet and any medications they're on. And uh, a backup battery for your cell phone. Oh, you know, you know, like an anchor. Yeah, you should have one of those, and you should always have it charged. Okay, along with the cords. Yeah, a water oh. filtration device, something to filter bad water. Okay, like a life straw or something like that. Yeah, I have one of those. Okay. Um, it's funny like what. One of the things, sorry, I'm interrupting again. One of the things that I always think about in case of an earthquake, where, what would I do is I would go move into my RV because it's, you know, it's not going to be structurally damaged and I have everything in there that I need. Um, but I didn't consider the option that I might need to escape from my RV essentially. Yeah. yeah. That's possible. It is a hurricane comes and, you know, you see the trailers all the time in the Southern States and when the tornadoes go through their matchboxes. Yeah. So yeah. it's important to have everything that you would have in your home for a bug out bag or an emergency kit. It's important to have that also in your RV or van. That's great. Great advice. Okay. And then you, and you mentioned your pets, your pets, having yeah. like probably some food for your pets yep. and yep. Yep. So you'll, you're going to want to have some food. You're going to want to have, uh, yeah, food for your pets. You're going to want a flashlight mm -hmm. uh, with backup battery, a radio, a flashlight, water purification, important papers. Yeah. And, and anything you might need for your pet. And it's also really important if you travel with a pet to think about what are you going to do when, so it, when and if an emergency comes, you know, like it's in a tornado and you need to lay flat in a ditch. Is your dog going to go with you? Yeah. It's something to think about and consider and maybe even start training for if it's something that you're really concerned about. You know, how do you get your dog to lay still? Are they going to fight you if you try to hold them down and just start working on that? Yeah, that's really good tips. I, I just started traveling with a cat. So uh, <laughs> we have a little backpack. I probably shove her in that, mm -hmm. make her stay in that. Those are some great tips about tornado safety. Anything else about tornadoes? Uh, so we got, you had asked me about what to do and the difference between a warning and a watch. And then yeah. I got, I got sidetracked right. I went off on, a, on a tangent. So during, during the watch, like I said, just keep an eye on, on the travel. I mean, on the weather conditions, see if it's getting closer, pay attention to see if it turns into a warning also under a watch. And maybe this is just a good practice whenever you're new to an area, 
know where the nearest emergency shelter is. A lot of these places east of the Mississippi are used to weather like this. So they have tornado mm. shelters. So know where the nearest one is. You might also want to call ahead of time if you can and say, are you open? What I found in my research is a lot of them weren't because of COVID. Okay. Um, you might also want to check a lot of the towns have those emergency sirens. You know, once a month, they, they at noon, they test the sirens. Yeah. You might want to call ahead if you're concerned about inclement weather. You might want to call ahead and say, is your emergency siren working? Will I get a notification? And if it turns into a watch, then that's your that's your signal that you need to go. As long as, I'm sorry, your warning. If it's a warning, if it's a watch, you're okay. You're, you're, you lay in bed, keep an eye on things. If it turns into warning, you need to, I'm sorry. Yeah, if it turns into warning, warning. That, means, that means you need to start going into active action mode. I need to take action. I need to do something. I can't just sit around and watch anymore. I need to figure out what my plan is. Either I go to a shelter or I leave. I figure out what my escape route is whatever that is, or, or know where I'm going to take shelter if I need to find a building to stay safe in, or is there a ditch and a, what am I going to do? So that's okay. the main difference. Okay. So you talked about uh, finding the location of the nearest emergency shelter. H how would you find that out? I think you can just Google shelters, emergency shelters, or call the local city hall. Okay. So well, it's not city, included in, in your uh, weather app or anything? No, no. Let me look, though. I think I may have had a uh, source for that. There is, okay, so so ready.gov. Oh, R -E okay. R-E-A-D-Y dot G-O-V was one of the sources that I referred to for researching my video. And I think that that had a lot of great information for all of the things that I'm talking about. Great. Yeah. We'll definitely link to that in the show notes so that people can start making their plans and whatnot. So what about like hurricane, what would be different between hurricane preparedness versus tornado? It's pretty much the same. Don't stay inside your RV. Uh, during a hurricane, one of the things that you're going to have to consider that you may not necessarily have to consider in a tornado are floods. Mm. Hurricane often comes with heavy rain. So you definitely want to make sure you're not in a lowland. You're not near a body of water, a stream or a creek that might flood. You don't want to seek, you know, how like in a tornado, I said, you might want to be in a ditch. You know, you might want to rethink oh, that during yeah. a hurricane. But okay. you still, still many of the same, still many of the same tips though, in that you want to uh, find something low, you want to find a stable building, same thing back up against the wall if you can't get inside, but if you can get inside, follow the same uh, protocol that you would for a tornado. Okay. And it seems like you usually have a little more warning for a hurricane than you would for a tornado. True. Yeah. True. Good point. And they still have hurricane warnings and watches though, too, I think, or they have different levels, level one or level five. Yeah. Had you, have you been in a hurricane in your RV? No, I've been okay. in strong winds up to 50, 60, maybe even 70 mile an hour gusts in the desert. Wow. Okay. Well, let's move over to, unless you have something else to say about hurricane. Yeah. Well, did you want to talk about heavy winds next? 
I did because I'll be frank with you. Um, this has been my biggest nightmare as far as travel, just being blown around in my, my van, which has got a really light fiberglass top. And it acts, I think just like a kite and just sends me flying whenever <laughs> like Wyoming was the worst that I can recall. So yeah, let's talk about high winds in RVs. Um, so the high winds in a hurricane, they, they all, let, let me cover that because it's kind of the same, but let's, let's like stay on hurricanes for a second. Okay. Uh, they say also to, and it's probably the same for high winds. You want to try to park on a level spot. The more level you are, the less chance you have of a gust coming up underneath and flipping mm. you because you're off level. Okay. So take your RV or your van off your blocks or anything like that and try to stay level. And like you said, if you're an extreme, I drove recently in 50, 60 mile an hour winds. It wasn't fun. Pull over. Don't yeah. be like me. Like I said, I'm a cautionary tale. Just pull over. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And you know, you've driven in it too. And sometimes you're like, no, you know, you're white knuckling it. You're like, no, I can do this. Well, I think I had a reservation I was trying to get to what was the problem. Yeah. And you don't want to sit there in it either. That's part right. of mine. I'm like, I don't want to sit here. This isn't fun. <laughs> you know? Right. And is it just going to get worse? You don't right. know. It's going to get dark. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But my, my, I've actually done a couple of videos because I, the, the desert and Wyoming and the flatter lands, the wind is, and I'm in the desert again and the winds are bad. Actually, they've calmed down. It's just one of those things that is just not fun living mm -hmm. in a vehicle. It's just not fun. And my advice is in an RV, probably in a van as well. If you're expecting really strong winds, get off your leveling blocks for one, because it'll make you feel state more stable yeah. even when i'm up on the leveling box and i'm walking around i can kind of feel it being more springy so take it off your leveling blocks and point your nose in the direction of the wind that's your most aerodynamic part of your vehicle it's built for that it's built for driving so the right. wind is going to flow over the nose of your vehicle easier than it is any other part of your vehicle so that's really the best advice is park and park with your nose in the wind. Oh, that's great advice. Of course. Yeah. All right. So any other advice for um, driving in the wind? <laughs> Just hold on <laughs> <laughs> and, and plead with the universe that you'll make it. I mean, um, I actually did a, a, a picture on Instagram where, and you can't see this, my, my steering wheel was literally, you know, let's say your steering wheel is normally at like 12 o'clock. Yeah. It was at 1230 and I, and I was going straight down the road. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I posted the picture on Instagram and I'm like, what's wrong with this picture? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's bad. And it, it really is just the gust can, can take you off guard. Just be careful. I mean, there's nothing you can really do is just be careful when big trucks pass you watch out because yeah. they suck you in and blow you around. And so that can be a challenge. And if you're really a, a timid driver, you got to get off the road. Mm. I think, I think the more timid you are, the more fearful you are. I think the higher chances of overreacting or overcorrecting and getting in an accident. Uh, so if you're really unsure and scared, I think it's best to get off the road. That's, 
And that's probably good advice. Yeah, I can recall, I, you know, I live out in Oregon and we have the Columbia River Gorge, which is renowned mm -hmm. for its winds for windsurfing. And I just remembered, I think it was my, one of my very first trips just do to do. And then all of a sudden I was in the next lane. Like I just got blown straight into the next lane. So, uh, that was definitely a wake up call there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think another thing, I don't know if you mentioned it or not, but just making sure that your vehicle is in top working order. Um, mm. I didn't realize I was having a lot of trouble with the wind because my shocks were bad. Oh, um, and once I, I, it, it did improve once I got my shocks fixed. So, um, definitely something, I don't know if that's in your top seven tips or not, but making sure your vehicle is in running order is definitely a, a tip that I want to add no matter it's what great your situation. One. Yeah. It's a great one that I didn't think about, but that's excellent. Excellent. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about our changing weather here. Um, last year in Oregon, we had 115 degrees. Wow. Uh, we had a heat dome, I think they called it. And it was awful. I, I got in my RV and went to the coast with basically everyone else who could do that as well. But what yeah. if, what if, um, let's talk about extreme heat, what to do when you're in your RV and it's really, really hot. And especially if you have pets, uh, my solution to that has been the highest elevation I can find. A couple of years ago, I stayed in Leadville, Colorado. It was 12,000 feet, I think. So, and I, I actually thought about going to uh, California this year. I haven't been back and seen friends in a long time and uh, maybe doing the coast because I thought that would be the coolest. But like you said, everybody is doing that. So the general rule of thumb is the higher in elevation you can go, the cooler it's going to be for every thousand feet, you lose three degrees. Oh, so okay. yeah. Yeah. So 7,000 at 7,000 feet, if it's 80 degrees at 8,000 feet, you're going to be 77 degrees. So every, for every thousand feet you lose or gain three, three degrees. And if you can't, if you're, if you're stuck, so I boondock a lot. Mm -hmm. I live off grid as much as possible. I've got solar, but my solar and uh, the generator that I'm using won't run my air conditioning. So I can't run my air conditioning. If it gets really, really hot. And because I do have a dog, I'll go plug into an RV park so I can run my air conditioning. Mm. Worst case scenario, I go to a hotel if it's really, really bad. But the nice thing about being on wheels is I try to not be in weather that, that that's that bad. The challenge for me this year was east of the Mississippi, it could be 85 degrees, but 90% humidity. Mm -hmm. And so that was really challenging and having to plug into RV parks and campgrounds more. Uh, also, if it's cooler at night, you know, open everything up, you one thing that I think a lot of people don't realize that I learned early on is how much heat and cold your RV absorbs. Mm. So the goal is to keep your RV as cool as possible during the day. Put your awning out, face your, uh, your rig toward the south and put your awning out. So you're, you're shading an entire side of your vehicle and it's the sun's just not beating down on it. Use the reflectix on the windows so that your, your windows aren't absorbing and magnifying all that heat inside. Keep your fans 
going so that you're blowing. This is what I say. If you have, it's hard to explain without having visuals, but if you have a cool breeze, open all your windows on that side of the RV and turn on your fan to blow all that cool air in. Okay. And try to just keep everything inside as cool as possible, even though that can be really hard. And I, it's like I said, I did videos about this and I was probably much more eloquent about it than I am right now, but I'm kind of off the cuff, not thinking about it. Okay. Yeah. We can, we can link to your videos as well. So people can, can do further research on this. We're just kind of touching the surface here, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so what about for your dog or pets during hot weather, any particular tips that you found helpful? You know, just having plenty of water cool. We've had those cooling pads that you can buy at the pet store. She doesn't really lay on them, but there are cooling pads. I try to do all my errands and all my shopping when it's not going to be hot or first mm. thing in the morning so that, you know, I don't want to leave her. An RV doesn't get as hot as a car. There's a common misconception. I see along a lot of, um, in my viewers who, oh, you can't leave your dog in a car when it's 85 degrees. And it's like, okay, but it's only 75 inside my RV because it's fiberglass, it's not steel. Mm. So, but you still, you still want to be careful. There are pet monitors on the market now. I just got one called Waggle. My yeah, I, Waggle. Yeah, I have a Waggle as well. Yeah. And that's really nice. You can monitor the temperature inside the RV while you're in the store. So, you know, and, uh, I, you know, honestly, the best thing is to just try to avoid it. It's, it's yeah. miserable. You know, you can't escape it. It's miserable when you're living in a vehicle in the heat. And uh, if you can travel, then, then that's what I recommend doing. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Let's move to the other extreme then. Cold. <laughs> it's easier to deal with in many ways. And I have a furnace in my RV and I don't know, I, don't, I haven't really dealt with a lot of extreme cold. I, I've had some single digits recently at night and even in my RV, I have a very well, it seems to be pretty well insulated, even down into the teens. I set my thermostat at like 40, 38, 40, and it, and it only clicks on in the early five, six o'clock in the morning, it'll start clicking on. So I think that what I do is if I'm worried about freezing, I turn off my water pump and I drain all my faucets so that there's no water in the lines. Mm, okay. Uh, so that they don't freeze. You can buy antifreeze for your toilet, for your gray and your black tank. Some people like to do that. I also have tank heaters in my RV. So like right now I'm in a, I'm in a park. It's going to be really cold again. And I'm in a campground so that I can plug in and turn on my tank heaters so that nothing freezes. Did, is uh, that something you installed or did your RV come with those? Most RVs, like mine's a 2005 and it has them. So I think most relatively modern or more modern RVs, I think, come with them. Okay. But you have to be plugged into shore power to use them because they, they, they'll drain the batteries. Right. Okay. Yeah, I don't and think... I have that in my RV. I use the antifreeze, but only when I'm winterizing, when I'm taking it basically off the road. I hadn't thought about using it just 
if I'm going to be overnighting somewhere really cold. Yeah. Yeah. I also heard a little salt. I don't know how much salt you want to put in your tanks because it might build up, but I heard a little, you know, because that's what they use to melt right. snow on roads. So I also heard a little bit of salt. I also heard uh, windshield wiper fluid, which I never heard of before. I wouldn't be putting that in my water tanks. I know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe down the toilet, but yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm only talking about your gray and your black, not your fresh. Oh, okay. <laughs> you don't want to put anything in your fresh water that you won't, yeah. won't drink. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And the other thing is luckily I've, I've moved to a part of the country. I, I was in Arkansas for a while, but then the days got too cold and too cloudy. And now that I'm back in, uh, you know, New Mexico, open skies, I, my, the days get up to high forties or fifties. I leave everything closed. And like I said, the whole heat absorption thing, I leave everything closed almost to the point where it's uncomfortable in here. Cause it's so hot, wow. but everything is all the walls are getting warm. The bed is getting warm. The cupboards are getting warm. So even if it gets down into the teens at night, I'm okay in here because everything is, has absorbed all that heat and it's going to continue to radiate it for a while so that even if it gets down into the teens at night, I'm pretty okay in here. Awesome. So yeah. that's another tip. Just find some place that has warm yeah. sunny days. Yeah. Or a plug in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like the warm sunny days anyway, because I don't want to be spending all my time inside. I want to be out and exploring yeah. and whatnot anyway. So yeah. Those are great, uh, great tips. Anything else that I didn't get to ask about safety that you wanted to bring up? Weather safety. So I think I covered. Well, we didn't talk about earthquakes. What if you're in an earthquake in your RV? I mean, you can't really be prepared for one, but let's say you happen to find yourself. Yeah. Typical earthquake preparedness, drop cover and hold on to something. And so would you get out of your RV if you felt an earthquake? If you're, if you're parked under power lines, that was the advice I, I saw. So power lines, if they fall on your vehicle, they, it electrifies your vehicle. So any movement can cause electrocution. So just, you know, don't make the mistake I made my first earthquake in San Francisco. I ran out. It was 89, the big one. I ran outside and stood underneath power lines. Oh. Don't do that. Okay. So, you don't want to park under power lines and you don't want to run out under power lines. Just make sure you're clear of any power lines. Okay. And just I, hold on. Yeah. Um, just hold on, I guess. I mean, I think your vehicle is probably equipped to take that kind of shaking seems yes. unless you're on it, unless you're driving, uh, then you might experience some issues. Right. But yeah. Yeah. A viewer just said to me recently, cause you know, I've been, I've been living in this RV for four years now and things are starting to kind of break. Mm -hmm. uh, things just shake apart. And a viewer said, yeah, you know, I never realized that every time you drive, you're, your house is going through an earthquake. And that's very true. You know, I drive on washboard roads and, and forest yeah. roads and they're bumpy and even on the highway with potholes. So I, yeah, I think your, your rig, your vehicle is probably going to be a, a pretty safe place unless the, the biggest thing I think about with an earthquake it'd have to be a really big one is if the earth opens up and sucks you in but what are the chances of that yeah I don't I think 
if that's the case, you might as well just go. <laughs> that's your time. <laughs> you know what? I love that thinking. You're absolutely right. It's just like, eh. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I did actually have someone on to talk about fire safety. I had a, 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 a woman who was a firefighter come on and speak oh. a little bit about fire safety. I don't know if you have anything you want to mention about that. No, I just cross my fingers and hope every day. Yeah. <laughs> That's not something I I've covered. It's not something it's a scary thing. You see a lot of RVs who just, that just go up in flames. So I, I will defer to that podcast of the yeah. expert because I really haven't, I have a fire extinguisher that's probably out of date. So yeah. Time to, time to update that. Yeah. I went yeah. and got, I went and got myself a, a fire, a real fire extinguisher. I had like a can before, but I'm like, after that podcast interview, I went and got myself a real one. So, all right. So that was all the scary stuff. Let's just talk for a minute now about your amazing journey so that we can end kind of on a high note. If you want to share maybe just a little bit about uh, how you got on the road and, and what life has been like for you with these years of just traveling and being free. Oh, okay. (laughs) I mean, that was a lot. I I mean, I know like sum up your last six years and a few minutes, but. And well, I, uh, I lived in the San Francisco Bay area. Like I said, I, I, uh, I had been married for 13 years and we had a house and then 2000 and I had a career. I'd gone to college and had a career and I just have a whole life chasing the American dream, the quote unquote American dream, because that was for me, what I thought I needed to be somebody. I mean, I I've got a lot of story. Let's just put it that way. There's a lot to my story. And I, I actually, uh, chase the American dream. I got the husband, I got the house, I got the career and I was drinking myself to death. Literally. Mm. I, I was, a I I've had a history of drug addiction and uh, alcoholism and decided, uh, well, I lost my job in 2008 and decided to start my own business. And shortly thereafter, I booted the husband and we strategically gave up the house and started on this journey of, of, something that looked different than the American dream I had been chasing. And I got back to backpacking, which has always been a passion of mine. My ex-husband didn't like to backpack. So it was something I didn't do the whole time I was married. And uh, fast forward a few years, but I also lost about a lot of weight. I was 230 pounds at the end of my marriage and lost a bunch of weight. And fast forward a few years, I hiked 256 miles on the John Muir trail by myself. And I got back. And by then I was living in Concord. I had a business. I was living in a tiny space that I was paying $1,500 a month for. I was doing world travel. I spent three and a half weeks in in Europe and and Greece. And every time, and especially though, after the John Muir trail, I came home and I looked around and I'm like, I just paid $1,500 to store a bunch of crap I don't need. I lived out of a 40 liter backpack for 26 days and I was happier than I have ever been. And I started thinking, what am I doing this? I'm living this rat race life. I have $300 purses and $400 shoes and I'm broke all the time. Why I'm making good money, but I'm broke. And so I started thinking what I want to do something different. And I started looking into tiny homes. I literally started researching, can I just take my backpack and disappear into the woods and live off the land? And I stumbled upon a guy who lived in an RV, a younger guy, younger than me. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, that's a thing. I can live in my RV. And I cashed out what, what was left of my 401k, which wasn't much and bought a piece of junk Matilda. And I hit the road within a few months of, I got off the trail, the John Muir trail in September. And uh, by April, I, I hit the road. Wow. That was a pretty fast decision for me. <laughs> that's how I yeah. roll. <laughs> I can be pretty impulsive. Yeah, that's wonderful. And, yeah, and, and you've been making it work and, and uh, seems to be going great. It, well, I definitely had my challenges. I've had breakdowns. I've had rebuilt transmissions. I've had uh, scary uh, situations with trucks showing up. I think I'm out in the middle of nowhere and a truck comes at, uh, up in the middle of the night. And, you know, it's been challenging, but I have had... You know, freedom is interesting. Once you get it, it, it you, you you start to take it for granted. And that's kind of where I am right ah, now. Okay. It's kind of become habit, but I've been to Alaska. I spent an entire summer in Alaska. I was able one year to just park my rig and go to New Zealand for a few weeks. And um, I'm able to actually save money. My whole mindset has changed about need versus want or mm. want versus need and really am living a simpler life spending at least two to three hours outside every day playing with my dog walking around and uh it's just been it's been life-changing it really has and i don't it's just been a, it's a great way to live even with all its challenges i've yeah. said before i've done videos it's not for the faint of heart you definitely have to have a can-do attitude. You have to be able to think on your feet, but it's been a wonderful uh, adventure. You know, I, I think that all the challenges, I think that's when we start to realize our true strength, though. We start yeah. to, you know, you don't have to be able to think on your feet until you have to be able to think on your feet, <laughs> and then you will be able to think on your feet. So, um, yeah. You know, I think we really get to learn about ourselves and our strengths as we head out, especially as solo women. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Some of us, I, I will say though, that that's true for some of us, but I have actually witnessed people who come out and can't, they mm. fall apart. They, they face their first real challenge and they, they fall apart and they can, and they have, and they, they, they give up everything to chase this life because they think this is an answer to a problem or mm. that it's going to change them. And one thing I like to warn people a lot is that no matter where you go, you take you with you. So it, yep. it's not going to be the magic pill that's going to solve all of your problems. You have to have a little bit of that in you, I think, to begin with. That mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you're not going to be afraid. It doesn't mean that you might even curl up in a ball and cry for an hour. But the bottom line is you're going to stand up pull up your big girl pants and you're going to move forward. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, yeah, that's for sure. It's, it, it does teach you who you are better or worse, really. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Carolyn, I really want to thank you again so much for coming on. Is there anything that I didn't ask that you wanted to mention before we say goodbye? I think the number one tip I have, again, I'm going to, I'm going to reiterate it for safety. And again, especially as women on the road, we, we do have to be a little bit more cautious uh, about things. And I just want to reiterate the number one tool you have 
for your own safety is being aware of your surroundings and listening to your gut. Mm-hmm. Took me a lot of years in therapy to realize that my gut is never wrong ever. Mm-hmm. And that whether that's weather that you're facing, whether that's uh, wind or rain or flooding, or it's a stranger coming into your camp, your gut is going to tell you what the right thing to do is. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you don't want to be prepared with the right tools, but it also means that you've got a really strong tool inside you if you just listen to it. That's wonderful advice. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks so much for being on the Solo Woman RV podcast. I really appreciate it. And I will link to your YouTube channel and your blog so that people can go and follow your amazing journey and all the other amazing tips and information that you do share. And, And it is geared a lot towards women. And so I do appreciate that as well. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Kathy. It's been a pleasure. I really want to thank my guest, Carolyn. The information that she shared was so important and so helpful. This episode was so packed with tips that I'm not going to summarize them all, but here are some general guidelines. Number one, make sure you have a good weather app and that your emergency alerts are turned on. Number two, no matter what the situation, always be aware of your surroundings. Number three, For any kind of emergency situation, have a plan, not only for yourself, but for your pets as well. Number four, full-time RVing will teach you who you are, for better or for worse. And number five, finally, listen to your gut. It will always keep you safe. Thanks again for listening to the Solo Women RV podcast. You can find more content over at solowomenrv.com. And if you like what you heard today, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you heard something today that you think someone else could benefit from, please share this episode with them. It really helps us and means a lot. The Solo Women RV Podcast theme music is Field Station by Nicole Potolsky. And until next week, we'll see you out there on the road. Mm-hmm.